I've started thinking about LinkedIn now as a stream of content. You know, you're you're building a library of content as you go, and it's very unlikely that one post that you write, if you spend extra time really perfecting it and shaping it up to be the best post in the world, is going to change your life. It's about the consistency and making sure you are sharing the thoughts, just knowing when the message is there, the pain's there, the solution's there. You know, you've you've done the job of that post and you're, you're contributing to your library on, or the client's library on that day, especially early on. You can get stuck trying to rework it and rework it and you just need to let it go sometimes and focus on moving to the next thing. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Innovative Minds. So, as you know, I have been doing a LinkedIn God series and bringing some of the biggest LinkedIn gods on the show to really pick their brains of how they're thinking right now about content creation. So, one of my friends, Joe, wrote to me and said, Hey, Mel, I have an idea for something different. You've done LinkedIn gods. Awesome. What about LinkedIn nobodies? Micro creators like me are trying to figure it out, not doing anything too amazing, but you know, the real story, like what our fears are, what our struggles are, what are our little small wins that we can celebrate? Hey, here's my numbers from last quarter, 50,000, nothing special, but you know, I've been giving it a good, honest go here, following all the hacks and tips. So how would you like to bring me on? So I was following Joe for a little while. So he had actually caught my attention. He wasn't um, a LinkedIn nobody in my perspective when I, you know, caught onto him. And, you know, he was someone in my sort of lens as someone that was going to be coming up in the game. So he might have been thinking, you know, I'm a LinkedIn nobody, but, you know, in my eyes, he was actually somebody. So I really wanted to, you know, I sometimes like to bring on other creators to bring people on who are earlier in their journeys and I've brought them on on my podcast because I think it's really important to connect with different people who are going through a journey so you can feel really relatable because sometimes it's really hard to relate to you know someone that's got to 100k followers like a you know Jasmine Alec and Richard Vanderblom Richard Moore and you kind of look at them and you go god like where they're so far away from you so Joe, I wanted to bring him on because I think he is going to be one of those people that he's able to share with us early on in his journey so you can really relate. So with that, welcome, Joe. Thanks, Mel. Thank you for uh, for accepting the LinkedIn nobody pitch. Um, <laughs> it is, I mean, I think that's the thing about the platform, isn't it? It's full of people who have kind of, you know, climbed the mountain, I guess, and, and we get um, inspiration from those people, but... Everyone, everyone starts somewhere and so, um, yeah, just I guess taking a chance today to maybe talk through what it's like, you know, starting out and, and kind of how to just, just keep going and, and focus on the positives. Well, what's interesting with you is you've got a bit of an advantage because you kind of know how to write copy, which is one of the first challenges and hurdles um, that I find and you've got a bit of a marketing background as well. So I feel like you know, you've got an advantage to most of us who once started somewhere, we had no idea how to write or conceptualize or know psychologically, like, you know, so I feel like you're able to probably climb faster at in many ways when I look at it mm. than when I began my journey. 
what what about you? Do you think that? Do you feel that you've got that advantage? I think that's I think that's probably one thing I've learned is um, th- something that feels like common sense or common knowledge to you isn't always going to be that to other people. So um, I don't necessarily feel that way about myself, but I'm sure there's other people out there that you know that would identify that and. Um, it's something to remember as well. You know, you do have skills and, and kind of talents to offer, you know, whatever stage you're at. Um, for me, with the writing and kind of knowing how to write, I'm not sure about that. I, um, I've i just practised a lot. You know, I think Stephen King and a bunch of others will tell you it's reading a lot and writing a lot and that's, mm. that's kind of how you improve. And I've really just, just tried to do that but but also trying to get better every day. So tell us about your LinkedIn journey. Like, where does it start? Like, what are you doing at the moment? And like, you're sort of working, right? And doing LinkedIn yeah. and freelance. Can you please like tell us like where it all started and how you go about it, doing what you're doing? Yeah, it really started. I made a concerted effort. I think it was um, Dickie Bush and Nicholas Cole. I followed those guys probably just under a year ago um, and made a concerted effort. I didn't know what platform, but made a concerted effort to want to write every day I took six months off work last year to become a dad for the second time so in between bottles and nappies and stuff had a bit of downtime and wanted to be doing something so I just um, June last year committed to writing every day whatever was kind of in my head um, and pretty soon after that realized that you know LinkedIn was a platform to share some of those thoughts so just again committed to to posting you know whatever I was writing to sharing it with with an audience um, and that was just that's just a learning journey you know you've been there you, you just kind of write whatever comes into your head and some things go well and some don't um but the process of doing it and and kind of releasing it um really helped me it was just getting things out of my brain and out there and then i could think about something different you know so i good got hooked on it to be honest like from june july last year i just it became really quite compelling to have an outlet for my thoughts put them out into the world and, and kind of keep thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, kind of in my situation now, I have luckily a, you know, a supportive boss and employer that means I work nine to five in, in marketing, in a tech business, but um, the ghostwriting and LinkedIn content stuff is sort of weekends, evenings, mornings, um, whenever the kids whenever the kids aren't around. Cool. So it's, it's yeah, it's been a whirlwind. How, how is it like do you find um... – writing for yourself and writing for someone else, you know? Like, is it different, your process? I think so. I think I think my side hustle helps my day job and my day job helps my side hustle massively. Like, I think they feed off each other in a big way because you've got to – you've kind of got to get to the point, you know, you realise you realize the techniques and strategies out there to get someone's attention and hold it um, and think about audience and things like that. Um, in terms of writing for myself or someone else, I probably, I'm less rigid, and maybe this is the wrong way around, but I'm less rigid and fixed with my own content and brand. Like if I have a thought, even if it's not right in my kind of content pillars or whatever, I'll still share it. I'll still post it. Whereas if, you know, if it's writing for a client or for my day job, you know, I we've got our, our topics and our pillars and I need to stick within those. Um so if anything, I'm I'm more relaxed with my own stuff. I yeah. take more license. Um, and when it comes to a yeah a client or, or my my day job, it's it's really about um, trying to stick 
stick to the rules, you know, stick to the guidelines and, and just make sure you, you're kind of achieving that. My belief right now about LinkedIn and the framework of what I think that I'm pushing my clients, my copywriters to be really aligned on is when you share a thought, you need to start the first sentence needs to start with that pain point to hook people in. So I've really moved towards frame this this particular framework and I'll give more license back to creativity once we really nail it. But the first line needs to be hitting the pain point. So now when clients are working with us, um, our, they have to, with any thoughts that they share, they have to give why they're sharing that thought and what the pain yeah. point is so that the writer, the ghostwriter like yourself, is able to come in and really be clear that that's what I have to use as my first line. Like I have to, you know, put that in as a hook and then I will share their thoughts and hopefully it's a solution that they're able to give. Yeah. And my third point has been that when they, you know, share this this framework that I've established that if they've got something deeper that they can actually then put a comment towards, like say they've got a podcast like this one, if I'm talking about like ghostwriting and I would actually link this particular podcast to that post. For me, that framework right now is what LinkedIn's looking for is like a depth of mm. a pain point being solved. Whereas last year they were really looking at selfies and personal brand, but this year I think they're really looking at, you know, they're really assessing for deep thought leadership. Um, mm. What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I, I definitely think leading with the pain um, is is the best kind of hook. And if I'm writing like for my own channel or for, for client, it is, yeah, what's what's the pain? We've got a solution, but what is that pain? And, and kind of highlighting that. To really dial in on that, I try and use their own, like the, the customer's language or your target's language. Like if you've had a call with them, literally just copy and pasting what they've said about it. No editing, no kind of wordsmithing, just lay the message, like the pain out in their own words. I think that resonates. Um, and then I think you write about depth as well. Like when I kind of started writing that that more empty kind of shallow inspirational quote that could relate to anything, I've just never felt comfortable, you know, like with my audience and with my experience, like I've never wanted to share stuff like that because I don't feel like an influencer in that way. And I think that's the that's the interesting piece is it is now more about a deep solution to a unique pain or problem. You know, how have you actually solved this? And we don't want just yeah. a, a feel good quote or, a, you know, a bit of inspo. It's actually what, you know, what's actionable. What can I, what can I take away from this to improve in my daily life? So I think you're spot on with that. Yeah. When, when you come to ghost writing or, writing content how do you go about like you know helping because if someone wanted to like listen to this podcast and they're like okay I'm really I'm starting my LinkedIn journey how do I start writing um what's the process like how do you do you ask and interview your clients like to get what's the pain point like what's your you know pro, what's your cadence yeah so certainly I mean initially it was it was talking to myself in the past you know, so, and again, it's a really great exercise from, from Dickie and Nicholas Cole, you know, just write a list of every problem that you've solved in the last year. And you, if you reflect on each of those, you'll realize what was kind of the pain or the challenge that you faced before you've gone through and solved. So 
if you don't have a client or there's no one kind of external to you that, that you can or you want to talk to, just reflect on your own challenges and pain and, and then kind of write to yourself in the past, I think is a good start. But otherwise, yeah, it, it's just whether it's a client or someone that, you know, you chat to at a barbecue on the weekend or, or whatever it might be, um, trying to understand the emotion around it and then and then kind of write from there. And, and if, if I haven't solved the problem, like if I don't know what they're going through and I don't have a solution, then I just, I don't go there with my content. You know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be everything to everyone. Got um, it. Got but it. if it's, you know, if it's an experience that I've lived through and that I have kind of got through the other side of, then I'll try and try and share that as best I can. And that's like a good filter, you know, to have, like it, you should be able to have lived through it and like provide the solution like that's how you can feel to like am I going to share this is it good enough to go out there it's a good metric so do you like you know does your customers like come on and when you're a ghostwriter right one of the talents is like how are they able to go and think back like what happened last weekend and you know this is the problem (laughs) like how do you get them to go to that and remember because sometimes I get customers and like blank yeah, it's hard. I, I think you've got to, um, it depends on the person. Like I find a lot of people prefer to kind of prep in advance a little bit or at least know roughly what you might be talking to them about. So I think that definitely helps have an idea of where you want to go and share that with them before you talk. Yeah. Once you're in the situation, for me, I, I'll ask open questions like, you know, what was going through your head or um, tell me more about that. You know, you, you're not trying to lead them down any kind of path. You're really just trying to Someone who used to work in law enforcement actually said to me, and I, I've always kind of tried to use this in interviews, you're in an interview, you're, you're trying to create a space for them to fill with what they know. Um, so any word, any kind of sentence you insert is space that you're taking up that they can't fill. So for me, it's really simple, open-ended questions and just listening. And to be honest, silence is your friend in that case. Like if you if you jump in and try and, push them forward through more response, like you often shut them down. Whereas if you just sit there in silence, more thoughts and things will come to them um, and you'll eventually get to that because the inner state is what's really interesting. You know, that is where the pain is, the emotions and the the desires and the feelings that are in there that, you know, if I walk past the story on the street, I wouldn't know that. But that's the really interesting stuff that's in their head and just sitting there quietly kind of waiting them to finish their thought. Um often is where the the gold is I reckon yeah yeah it's a good it it takes a certain somebody to have that patience to sit through that silence and not feel awkward and be like it's gonna come what I find that I've had to do with my um clients is because thoughts could come to you like in the shower Mm. you know and I found yeah and I'm trying to get people into a mechanism of making sure that actually note that down, you know, and we've got, we're starting to bring in innovation and technology into our agency, which I might've mentioned to you before in passing is, you know, really sharing and having their space where they drop that, you Mm. know, whether that's in a video format or, so we've actually got that it goes in straight away in a way that the writer can just send really understand okay this is the solution this is the framework that I um kind of shared with you before and that habit will enable and empower them to get 
way more you know content but it's also very relieving like you found like sharing the content it's very much you know you're getting it out, out there but creating this habit of constantly sharing those moments that aha moment for you Mm. is I think the way to really be good in content like you have to note it down like this like Justin Welsh he puts it on all on his notes and then he sits there on Saturday and filters through that right I've interviewed people who you know put it straight into Asana board or Trello boards and they've got this cadence um I think that for me like as I started like kind of um, scaling my business, I started realizing that sometimes some people come on calls and they're just not able to go to the depth in that moment with us. Yeah. Like they need to really think it through because they didn't prepare for the call. Or mm. um, So I find with those type of people, like a good thing to do is just like go and have a mechanism to drop those yeah. thoughts. Yeah, I'm the same. I definitely encourage, you know, whether it's like a WhatsApp voice note, a quick text or a LinkedIn message, like, yeah, capture it somewhere and, and get it across to me in any kind of raw format. It, it always helps. And then for me personally, yeah, my iPhone notes is is an absolute jungle. Um, I'm trying to get some sort of filtering, like some folders and mm. stuff in place. But you definitely need, yeah, if you have a thought, you need to get it down because not only does that mean you don't lose it, but it actually clears the runway for the next the next thought to come through as well, I find. So exactly. that's a huge one. Exactly. Um, and and I think it's funny because you said, you know, drop it in WhatsApp. I used to do the same with clients, like just drop it in WhatsApp. Mm. But then when you scale to so many, like yeah. now you're getting like freaking like 20 to 30 people like sharing it on WhatsApp and you're like, oh, my God, I can't. So yeah. it was. it's funny because, you know, when you start, your journey and you're like ghost writing that can work up to like two, three mm. people and it's like really good and they're really, you know, dropping it. And then you can all of a sudden go, how the hell do I handle everyone? Like they're talking yeah. to me here, they're talking to me there. Like you need like customers, like you need like a submission where they put this stuff because you don't want to be bombarded, mm. especially while you've got your full-time job and there's like drop thoughts, all the, you know, going yeah, on all the point. time. Um, mm. So, yeah, I found – Initially, when I remember when I started out, I was like, yeah, just like, you know, whatever, like, you know, just <laughs> drop it there and we'll pick it up and we'll download it. And and then when it got to like 15, 20 people doing this at once and all my VAs were like, I can't handle this. I don't want to work in this yeah, crazy environment. Yeah. We had to come up with systems and processes and I started realizing, God, people are different. They want to work differently. They don't all want to come on a call. And sometimes I got like bored sitting there in silence for an hour and like thinking, wow. <laughs> Like they're not the type of people that want to do this, you know, whereas some people really, yeah. most of the time are really good. Like, but um, yeah, you might find that as you start sort of taking, if you ever get to that sort of now volume, you yeah, really need to think about systems mm. that is actually going to liberate you still as a entrepreneur and give you that space for your family as well, that you're not constantly getting. Yeah. Well, and this thoughts. is the thing. I definitely... Yeah, the systems and the structure. I mean, even even at a small scale for me, the, mo- the, the thing for me is I've got very limited free time. So yes. it needs yes. to be efficient. It needs to be yeah. used effectively. And um, you're right, that kind of, I think it's the other almost danger or the, you know, the challenge with the platform is you're just reading stories about here's how to make 10K a month and I've done yes. this and I went from this to that. But, yes, you know, not all these people will be in the same situation as you, like, 
they won't all have, you know, kids and a family and, yes, uh, you know, we're moving house and different things like that. Like things will happen in life that mean um, it can be harder or easier for you to produce content and, and kind of serve your clients. So you're Correct. right. It's the, the system piece and the efficiency to scale, I think, is such an underrated kind of challenge to solve for get people. Yeah. How do you like, how do you write copy at the moment for, you know, clients and yourself? Is mm. it, you know, do you kind of, what's your process to do it as efficiently? Because we're all time poor as well, yeah. right? And that's why we want to work with ghostwriters as well. So we, I think just to recap, so far we've gotten to the point where like put your ideas down in a notes or somewhere so and yeah. come prepared to talk otherwise it can be um it can be a very underwhelming experience for both parties the you know agency the ghostwriter and yourself mm -hmm. so that's something that's really important that you get into a cadence of you know putting your thoughts down now yeah. the second step is once you've done that you can actually write um when you've got the time and the space to write so how much time would you put aside for uh content creation and writing and what's the process yeah it's it's a tricky one it's something i definitely need to get better at so i think for for myself i because like i said i'm more relaxed with my own brand and i'll if i get a thought that i think is interesting i'll kind of just it'll be there and, I, and i've built that that muscle now where i can pretty much kind of just write it leave it in the outbox until the next day yep review it quickly, you know, tidy it up, make sure it, it still reads well, and then I, I let it go. For clients, what I try and do is in the call, I'm staying 100% present, so I don't take notes. Like everything's recorded and transcribed, so there's no need to be scribbling anything down or, you know, doing anything other than listening to stories. And um, so I do that through the call, see where the conversation goes. Then what I want to try and do as quickly as I can after the call, so in the, next, in the following two days is, listen to it back on like I'm one of those people like on two times speed yeah because um, you've already been in the conversation yeah. so you, you kind of exactly. know you're just trying to get the, the points and the key stories and at that point I am like writing out you know this was a segment of a story and that was another one so kind of just figuring out what are the what are the bones of this conversation but listen to it end to end so get a feel for kind of how it went and then then I'll jump into the transcript and so I'll go you know the five minute mark was when she told me about this and look at that first story and kind of um for me i'm trying to connect back to how i felt when i heard the story you know what was the interesting bit for me like where did it stand mm. out what what kind of engaged me and, and i start with that mm. um and and then work from there and i'll try and do like a rough draft of each one and then leave them all like and, and i'll have to i never have enough time but i think it's mm. good to just leave them to marinate and then come back the next day or a few days later to review. And at that point, I'm not adding anything. I'm just cutting. I'm, yeah. I'm only ever trying to cut words. I'm never trying to add words on the second time through. Um, and then I do, I read them out loud. Like you, I think you need to read them aloud to yourself. That tells you where the sentences are a bit clunky or a bit too long or it just doesn't flow right. Use Hemingway as well just for, you know, if you're familiar with the story, it'll, it might be really, feel really simple to you, but you, you put it in there. And if you're seeing reds and oranges in Hemingway, then you, you do a bit of work there. But that's roughly the process. I'm trying to – the key for me is trying to li listen back to the content 
as, like as soon as I can after I've heard it to make sure that I the feelings and stuff are still there like I'll, I'll have in my mind where the good stories where the best stories were and I want to focus on those first what about I want to go back to when you just said like okay when you're in the call you don't do any kind of writing because you want to be present and is otter inside of the meeting like a transcription um uh i use google so yeah i just hit the google recording yeah Yeah. and it transcribes yeah yeah so you've got the transcription um i've seen writers also you know punching away and taking notes too and i think yeah like just use otter um my gut like what if I was a copywriter and I'm not, but I'm more of a strategist that would dump stuff. So what I try and do during the call sometimes just because I want to speed up my process, right, because mm-hmm. I know I've got like as it's happening um, and it's I think it's a muscle, you know, to be mm-hmm. alert enough is like I'm just copying in the moment and pasting that this is post one, post two, post three, okay. post four, post five. Mm-hmm. Just because of the inefficiency of then having to go through this again yeah. for the second time, mm. um, and I'm actually got the transcript, like the auto transcript, open while they're talking because it's actually taking notes right then, and I'm trying to go, okay, that was an idea, copy and paste mm. um, that into the Google Doc. So I actually know, like, okay, I've got post one, post two, and I've got the framework already, so I don't have to do the second round of listening because the transcription's happening. I need that second part of my brain. <laughs> I haven't maybe I haven't built that yet. I, it takes um, some time because you're trying to be good at the interview and be present for them, and you want to make sure you're nodding and they're not thinking like they're talking to nobody. <laughs> so you're very like you know aware. But I let yeah. them know like by the way, like I want you to keep talking. If you see me like looking away, like you know I'm actually trying to make sure that your structure of your poster right. It just the reason I started doing that is because I started. It was just like it couldn't scale past. Yeah four to five people um, because so much time was being taken again to sit there and review that piece. But then once I – I don't know if you've yet done this and some of my more advanced um, content creators now, they've mastered ChatGPT to an extent where what they're doing is – so those like draft transcripts that they've taken, Mm. they feed them – through um, like previous posts of this person and say, you know, let's yeah, let's okay. like, you know, write in this way to help fasten delivery mm. so we can together scale. Mm. Like they can take on more because the more clients you take on, the less risk um, you have as a, you yeah. know, as a business owner because if one leaves, now you've got like six or seven. So you're not like heavily dependent and, you know, going, oh, my God, I only have like they're all – that one's leaving now. I'm, I'm not yeah. in this stress, right? Yeah. Yep. But also still delivering quality. So once she once that is prepped, then it's like what you do. Like everyone should take a break. I think it's absolute and come back to it in a day or two with a refreshed mind and then just I think I love the fact what you said, like, you know, then just tone it down. But I feel like if that piece can happen as close to that interview, like, you know, as possible with, yep. you know, the draft to be set within like sort of that's the interview set. You know, and the better you get an interview, you can keep shortening that time, like 30 minutes if you start organizing it and then you can have your next hour where you just prep. Yeah. It almost needs to follow 
immediate I find to really help you be mm. in the zone other than you have to every time you have to get back into a task yeah you're right you're now yep. again restarting your brain so I feel that you know it's like a an hour and a half to two hours along with the interview needs to be put aside to prep so you don't have to touch in a in a in a way that's like again starting because your brain takes time to re yeah. again start and thinking about that person and you have to go look at their LinkedIn look at how they speak and again get mm. your brain and that takes about 20 minutes actually i realized yeah so yeah yeah, that, yeah that's sort of i realized it's very true i mean i think it for me it's a function of like having the day job and stuff you know so i'll squeeze in the interview go yes. off to work yes or go and feed the kids you know you know whatever so i think yes. you're, you're absolutely right like the the closer you can do it or stay in that in that customer's like tone of voice Yes. Um, and in that interview and that conversation, then definitely you're going to get better results. I um I just need to find a, a 30 hour day. <laughs> yes, yes. You need to. Oh, you just need to interview and go commit to. Mm. You'll get more faster at it as well. The more you do it, right? As you push yourself into doing it. But I actually recorded. Uh, so I actually like sort of timing my copywriters as to when they start and restart. Okay. Um, and it was so interesting because. They would like, when they would do one post, like just one, it would sometimes take them 30 to 40 minutes just to write that post. But once they started writing their second post or the third post, if they were in a batch, yeah. the next few posts became 13 minutes, mm. 15 minutes, 10 minutes. And it was so interesting for me to observe that phenomenon because I was like, oh, my God, like I've been sending them like one thing, you know, or four things a week. But look at how I can speed because they're now yeah. having to like get in the mind again. Like they now have to refire their brain. Yeah. Now they can actually be way more efficient. So if you go in again and have another call and, and another call, right, you're much more closer to the client again. But if you can like, you know, do it in while you're in the mode, you can really efficiently deliver if you can find that headspace. Um, yeah. Yeah. I definitely relate to that. Like I, I've definitely find I need to clear the window. And if I, you're right, that first one takes a while, but once you start setting them all out and you can kind of then really get on a roll. Um, and I think the quality improves as well. Like you, you make them all consistent and they really yes. look and feel like the person you're writing for. So you certainly need to have kind of blocks of time to tackle it. Um, yeah, exactly. For me, it's usually a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon where it's just, it's writing time. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, yeah, that you um, say it's Sunday for you. I think for me, it's like Monday morning when I've had like my space to like think and I'm like in the mode. But sometimes yeah, it's okay. not. Yeah. Sometimes it's like random. Like it just feel like it, like I need to do it, right? Like I want to exercise this and it just, you know, it's like tingling and you're like, oh, yeah. I'm feeling it. I've started to get that recently and that's, you know, that's the other thing because you'll read content about, you know, here's my routine or here's the exact way you have to do this. But I'm very much a, a feeling type person and, and you're right, it's a sensation that you get. Sometimes you, if you haven't written in a few days or whatever, you want to you want to get something mm. out, you feel like it's starting to kind of clog up a bit. Yeah. Um, it's really weird, but I'm not a I'm not an overly structured person with it, particularly with my own stuff. My yes. own stuff will come to me whenever, like in the middle of the night or early in the morning. Um, yes. But it's so true. It is that, like almost that spidey sense yes. um, of, of having something that you want to share. 
And creative people, I think this is something that's really important if you work with ghostwriters or creative people, you know, they, as you heard, like the process, some people think like, yeah, here's a task, just go get it done and we'll have it back to them in 24 hours. How hard is it? Just write. Mm. But listening to that process of interview, then putting it away and then, you know, coming back to it and then, you know, reviewing it over another, you know, two days and giving them that space and that process, even you should use it if you're not using a creative, yeah. but that's the way to really produce good quality. But sometimes people don't understand how we think as a creative, right? Like how the process is actually much more lengthier than Joe yeah. just sits there and just punches it out, <laughs> you know, after the call and his 12 brilliant posts. Yeah. I think it's such an interesting balance between – I think that the thing that I struggle with is the quality versus like you don't want to gold plate a post. Like I think at the end of the day, I've, I've started thinking about LinkedIn now as a stream of content. You know, you're, you're building a library of content as you go and it's very unlikely that one post that you write, if you spend extra time really perfecting it and shaping it up to be the best post in the world, is going to change your life. You know, for me, it's it's about the consistency and and making sure you are sharing the thoughts. And one thing that I've gotten better at is, is, and I'm not going to say focus on, you know, um, quantity over quality, but just knowing when the message is there, the pain's there, the solution's there, you know, you've you've done the job of that post and you're, you're contributing to your library on, or the client's library on that day and you need to move on to the next piece. I think that's, for me, is not really a perfectionist, but just wanting kind of everything to be, right and good you can get stuck especially early on you can get stuck trying to rework it and rework it and you just need to let it go sometimes and and focus on moving to the next thing agreed and same with spelling errors like you know don't kill yourself over it if like something went out and it's like american writing like i see some people like fretting over it going now i need to delete it like it's social you've forgotten in like you know a day it's yep. it's not the end of the world um to to again summarize the covered you know how you should ideate how you should turn up and either interview yourself and ask yourself questions like or if someone's asking your question write it down in notes or you know in a in a sauna or in a trello board so that you're really capturing it come with you know those thoughts to a meeting if you are going to work with a ghostwriter and also be really kind of mindful about your ghostwriter's process of how long it's going to take them to really get you something back that's of quality and the process of how ghostwriters are working with you. Now, if you go the extra step after a ghostwriter and you want those pieces to be turned into creative, you know, that's mm. – so once once the ghostwriter like Joe has written your stuff, it then could need to go to another person who is a creative person in graphics and they'll take some of those concepts and turn it into some nice imagery or they'll turn it into a carousel of they'll go to a video edit and that second process is another time that is you know added in mm -hmm. um so that's something sometimes people go and also forget that you know there if you want it to go not just be copy and you want like other things added to it there's the next element um how do you, Joe, like sort of go about deciding on should it be a creative, should it someone add an image to this? Like, you know, do you kind of like, you know, give suggestions 
to your yeah. clients? I mean, I it's tricky for me because I'm definitely a copy kind of by default. Like it's, yeah. I think it's my strongest suit. Um, I've been working through carousels and, you know, the algorithm on LinkedIn seems to be supporting carousels quite a bit. Yes. <clears throat> so that's always interesting. Um, but, yeah, I think it's it's a bit of a feel, to be honest. Like I think you just I, – I definitely lean towards like a nice written story, but I know that a lot of people are kind of skimming LinkedIn. They're not really – they're looking for colours and for, um, for different things. Um, so I think you – it, it also depends on the client. Like the clients I work with, they're not necessarily comfortable yeah. to put the video of themselves up there talking about things. I think what yeah. I like for myself personally as well with the with the copy post is you can kind of refine it and yeah. put it put it how you want it. And there's a bit more of a almost a barrier there or just a, a protective shield yeah. between yeah. you and the audience. Um, but it's something to be honest, I'm a bit worried about. Like as a, a kind of a copy led um, creator. You know, what does it mean? What yeah. does the algorithm change mean? Like, how does how do we stay relevant? I guess. What do you think? Yeah, it's really interesting because I really love the simplicity that copy leads everything. But for me, the way I'm starting to work with my ghostwriting team is I'm saying to them, this client, and especially after my recent um, event with Richard Vanderblom, and he really, you know, solidified this thought for me, was one thought, like whatever your client tells you, one thought you as a ghostwriter, Joe, can now use that and give that in five formats. Mm. You know, you can give that as a text post. You can then give that as a, the same thing can be converted into a carousel, the same, mm. you know, story. And then it can also be given as a video if they shared that as a video, the thought. And you can even convert it and use it as a poll if you really wanted to, you know, um, say, you know, what do you think about this? So more and more my business, that what I'm trying to say is going and saying repurpose it in the formats because everyone is consuming in a different way because we all have different learning habits. So some people, one of us are learn through audio. Some people are learning through reading. Like if you don't enjoy reading your, I'm not going to read your text post then, you know, yeah. I need visuals for me as a learner. So we all have different learning styles. So by writing the same thing five times different, formats you're going to yeah. open yourself up to potentially different audiences um it's very true yeah and with videos the reason i like it i think it builds like you can feel an aura about someone like mm. the trust that you feel um is really much more bigger and it it now allows you to have that extra format that your yeah. ghostwriter can go and just you know caption up as well so mm. apparently a message takes like seven times for someone to register that, yeah. that and get it. So then you need to deliver that message like in those different formats then in my opinion. So, yeah, I'm really pushing my ghostwriters now to be like let's work together to write, you know, um, the piece like that we get in five different formats. Yeah. Initially for a, pers for a client so we can actually understand which formats work and the second time when we batch their content again, let's go and look at which formats worked and let's then stick to a format based on what went well mm. for them personally yeah. and what felt good. But, yeah, I think it's a really um, – I think the thing with, yeah, Richard Vanderblom, it's like he's doing it five different ways. So that probably is probably best practice if you can or at least get yeah. three formats out from one one thought. 
Yeah, well, and you've kind of touched on there, like I guess the idea of repurposing, um, which for me initially when I started felt like a bit of a dirty word. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's not sorry. original. Well, it's not yeah, original. I mean, you, you feel that way. Um, yeah. But at the end of it, like, you know, you've had that thought originally. Um, and as you said, like people need to see and, and hear the message multiple times for it to sink in and you never know exactly who's going to see each message. So one thing that I like, I really like the idea of repurposing across media, like across content yeah. um, types. Um, it's, yeah. it's an issue and I might, might need to get myself a, a nice microphone and <laughs> yeah, and a video and set getting up. Getting video set up. Um, I thought it was dirty as well, the repurpose word. I felt it was like a laziness that people were doing it. But then I had Melanie Borden last week saying, I don't even create content anymore. I just look through Shield and repurpose. And she's like, Mm. you know, 170,000 followers. Richard Moore, I don't really create much, maybe four pieces a month. I'm just resharing my same things because I'm producing – I've really spent time for 12 months to 24 months producing really high-quality content. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, how does it be relevant? Like how do they create like evergreen – content like that you know um but this is what top creators are doing they're not hustling every day and producing at the rate like we are so i think think, yeah the key there is you know you said high quality you know only the the most successful bands can just go and play all their old hits you know you need to develop the catalog of hits before you can just go and play them everywhere so i think that's when you are starting out you've got to get to a point where you've got some high quality stuff and it's that's a, a muscle you flex and you build over time and, and when you do get to that point and I've only kind of felt comfortable starting to repurpose some different things in the last few weeks a couple of months um, but you need to have some hits to kind of and I don't mean viral like you know, not not many people are going to go viral but you need to have stuff that does resonate that has triggered an action in the person that you were kind of writing that piece to and once you've got a bit of that then you certainly do need to I think it makes sense to replay some of those hits yeah i love that that was such a great great thought that you need to have hits in order to replay it so you got to bank up those um and have a go first and then you know collect them and then you can replay it and i think they just had so many hits that it's just like and they can keep playing it again and again love that um so i want to close out at the end i've heard your pain point about working full-time and Mm. you know also having to produce content and I've had other people on here who've been very successful in doing it very well. So I've had Liam Darmody um, on here, Rosie Chong, who all have um, full-time jobs and have become mega superstars on LinkedIn. And I would say they do a very similar strategy to you. They um, every day get up, share, uh, write their piece before they go to work you know, and then on the way to work, they engage with their piece mm. and do it consistently like every day, you know, and they've found their um, position. So I think it's totally possible even um, to do what you're doing and, you know, become and, – and but they want to actually stay and continue to do full-time work because I think it brings so much energy to their work um, as well with creating their personal brand. So, you know, the struggle that you have um, – is probably felt by lots of other influencers who I've seen just become rapidly, you know, over time by doing it consistently so big. Mm. 
I, I definitely, I think as well, don't be afraid of scheduling. You know, I make yes. sure like I schedule for the morning pre-work, like 7.30 a.m. My stuff will go out. Um, and I do that because I don't want my day job thinking I'm sitting on LinkedIn yeah. during the day. You know, I'm, I'm working out of hours on my content and I'm scheduling to a time when, you know, I want people to, to kind of think of me. And I know for myself getting into work or getting ready in the morning, often LinkedIn is a part of that, yeah. you know, that time of the day. Um, but you scheduling, like if you don't have the the clear calendar to yeah. write and post at the same time every day, like use use the scheduling and, and write when you can and just and just build your content out that way. Um, but it's good to hear that there's other people kind of out there doing the same thing. Like I feel very lucky, to be honest. I feel really lucky to be able to, you know, have a day job and, and that gives me the freedom to create and kind of the other thing which we haven't talked about, which I thought about kind of coming into this for me, having a day job, I think it really helps with my pricing and like my strategy for my creation because I like my little limited limited spare time is has a value to me. Yeah. And so the the cost of my service is the cost because it's going to be my Sunday evening, and I can't just make it cheaper and fit more in to try and grow my business. So I find having to protect my personal time and space has actually helped me. So I think that's a really common problem is people not pricing themselves adequately. Yeah. Um, I can't afford to do that. You know, I, it's, I've got a limited amount of bandwidth. So, you know, the, the value is there and the, the investment is aligned with that. Um, and the efficiency piece as well it means if I've got my window for ghostwriting, I need to lock in and, and write and produce. So if you do have a day job and you're, you're kind of trying to juggle the, the both, I think, you know, and you started this call with talking about advantage, like I, I think it can be an advantage. Yeah. Yeah, I think then you can actually price in a way that you can build, you know, with sustainability, but you can like price in a way it's not going to hurt you so much if you don't close, you know, because you've got this other safety is what yeah. I think you're saying is, you know, if whereas if you come in raw and you don't have that protection, sometimes you've got to take, yeah. you've got to fill all those hours somehow and yeah. it's sometimes those hours can't all be filled as quickly as you'd like. So, you know, doing a side hustle and building it up you can you can charge a lot more because you don't have all those hours to fill yeah I think that's you know I, I definitely think the trap there is and I've thought a lot about you know especially early on when I'd get some initial engagement and things I thought mm. I'd thought a lot about I'm just going to go for it you know full time yeah. and going from the interest and the engagement to a lead to actually a you know a paying client is yes. hard and you yes. might get your DMs will get full at different times and there'll be times when you think nothing is happening and then all of a sudden multiple people will be talking yes. to you and you'll think, yes. you know, you can do it and you've got a multi-million dollar business on your hands. <laughs> you know, I would strongly recommend um, prove it, you know, test it, prove it, build that kind of base. Like I'm, I'm nowhere near ready, you know, yeah, um, to go full time into it. Um, so just, yeah, having that stability of, of an income of a salary can can help you play with freedom in your writing and your, your creating, but, um, you know, check before you uh, before you make the leap full-time because it can, like you said, it, it can be hard to kind of fill all those hours. I agree. I agree. It's a, that's a really great recommendation and I think especially for, you know, in the marketing world and in the world that we're in, it's come in, come out is a very normal thing. So mm. I think you've given great advice that, you know, you've got to, 
if you've got like family or you've got other dependencies, you know, it's not you just you and you yourself yeah. going for it. It's going to have impacts to, you know, yeah, you yourself and you. If it's just you and you yourself and you, you can just eat peanut butter and jam and, you know, live on your mom's couch and, you know, yeah. it's not going to matter. Maybe it works for people that can, you know, um, be in that kind of environment and maybe in a different place, you know. But yeah. for most people, I think, yeah, doing it in a more sustained way yeah. and also then being able to price and be like, I've only got this many hours. It's much more sustainable and it'll take longer yeah. as well, but it, it's sustainable and you're in a more comfortable zone and you can actually then reach your creativity, I think, better too. You're not like pushing yourself like yeah. a crazy person to be like, I need to get this, I need to get that. That's you can it. You can choose. 100%. And, you know, I think that's hard as well because you, a lot of us are following the big creators to try and learn from them and, and you are just kind of bombarded with success stories. Mm. And that's fantastic and, like, it's amazing to know what's possible. But it's, you know, it's not the reality for everyone. Um, and so just kind of bearing that in mind I think is so important. Um, and, in, in like, you'd much rather have, and this is the situation I'm in now, you know, I'm occasionally quite busy. Like, I do have to spend evenings and weekends um, delivering for clients. But, like, that's a much better problem to have than trying to figure out where the next one's going to come from and how am I going to feed myself and, and all that kind yes. of thing. So, yeah, yes. this is, you talked about a sustainable approach, um, I think, is so important. Yeah, I mean, the not everyone's going to get the Matt Barker of the world. Yeah. It's not going to be, you yeah. know. That's one in a million and that was a lot of risk-taking. And I still remember the day that Matt Barker reached out to me about 18 months ago and said, you know, I'll do $40 per post. No joke, yeah. I've, you know. he 18... Um, 18 months ago, he was like, yep, I want to work at $40 per post for your client. Yeah. So that, and that you must be like going, really? Like I've got it, you know, in my DMs, that's where it started. And now he's like, you know, yeah. so huge. And it's, um, and he didn't, you know, start where he is. He just went for it, I think, and took high, yeah. high risk and it repaid that yep. but that's where it is you know that's where you have to price as well when you're starting and you've got to fill those hours and you don't know what's going on mm. it's the it's the reality of you know do you do that or do you put yourself in a position where you know it's sustainable and you don't have to drop so low but you can you know you can create what you want in a in a mm. different way there's lots of different parts so i like the fact you mentioned that for um you know, that there's different options for people with different, you know, families situations, or yeah. situations that they've got. Mm. Awesome. Uh, really enjoyed the chat. Hope people listening on got value about, you know, how to sort of go about engaging with a ghostwriter or writing for yourself and how to come up with the ideas and how to actually refine at the end. We really wanted to make sure that you guys could like, you know, listen on and understand how even, you know, to engage with yourselves or a ghostwriter in the process of it. So hope you got a lot of value. If you want to, you know, ask any further questions, um, we will be sharing both of our LinkedIn's. Feel free to reach out to both of us. We're always happy to uh, share more if it enticed anything in you that, that we didn't cover. So thanks, Joe, for coming on. Enjoyed the chat. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me, Mel. Um, good to be a LinkedIn nobody. Um, <laughs> talking to a LinkedIn somebody. <laughs> oh, that's a good ending. Thanks, Joe.
Bye. See ya. You're listening to Innovative Minds.